Welcome to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from May 8th by Brother Todd Burgess titled Matthew 4, verse 3 and 4. And if you have your Bibles, let's turn into Matthew chapter 4. And we're in verses 1 through 11, and focus today is on verses 3 and 4. 3 and 4. And so let's just stand. We'll read those three verse, those two verses. And it says, And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Our most kind of gracious Lord God, we come before you. And Father, we just pray that we indeed can learn and understand the example, Jesus, that you gave us here in your word of how to overcome, how to have victory over sin, over temptation. And so, Lord, as we go through this message, may you touch my heart, may you touch those that are here, that are, that are listening, those that may be viewing online or listening to this message later on. Lord, touch our hearts about the truth of overcoming temptation. We just pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, just kind of a recap. Uh, In chapter 3, we saw what was needed for real salvation. That whole chapter was about the baptism uh, that John the Baptist was doing, and Jesus himself had been baptized, and... uh, And what we saw there was that real salvation. For that to take place, a person has to recognize God's judgment on their sin and repent of that sin. That's the first part. It has to be that you recognize the judgment of God upon our lives. And unless we recognize God's judgment, there can be no salvation. Then they had to turn away from that sin by receiving what Jesus himself did for us, and that was shedding his own blood on the cross of Calvary. And then his blood becomes our covering. That's the justification part of it all. And so that was the genuine salvation. That was all what chapter 3 was all about. You see, Matthew, when he wrote, when he's writing this gospel, he's writing to the Jews, okay? And he's, he's writing about Jesus being their king. But he's explaining why Jesus had to come the way he did. And so chapter 3 is about salvation. Chapter 4 and 5, we're going to see, is, is all about how a new believer or a long-time believer, makes no difference, is to live out the rest of their life after their salvation. And that's what we see, the example that Jesus is, is, is doing for us in 4 and in 5. Matthew is writing about that. And how we are to, to live in the fullness and under the guidance of the Holy Spirit of God. He's teaching us how to do that. And so that's why I think it's so important that we just continue with what we're doing here. And so Matthew is using Jesus as our example. And it's amazing. The first thing that Matthew writes down here is that the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to fast and pray. Now, we saw last week that 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 leading was a compulsion. He had to get up and go immediately and, 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 and to be involved there. And so... 
This is something that's so important because Matthew is showing us that there is an important aspect in a Christian's life, and that is prayer and fasting. And so in today's message, we're looking at how to overcome the lust of the flesh. The lust of the flesh. How do you overcome it? Well, you overcome it by being content in God's provisions for you. That's how you overcome the lust of the flesh. Being content where God has you. It's all about contentment in Christ. Next week, we'll look at overcome the pride of life. And that deals with how do you do that? By humble obedience to God's plan. And the week after that is overcome the lust of the eyes. And how do you overcome that? By not compromising God's direction in your life. And so, but today is overcoming the flesh, the, the lust of the flesh. And, and so it's being content in God's, in God's provisions. I'm going to hit myself in the nose with that thing. Um, so when we look at those, those, those two verses, and when the tempter came, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Okay? And so how we overcome temptation is clearly revealed here by Jesus. Jesus shows us by his own actions. The temptation has been presented to Jesus by Satan himself. And so, but Jesus, he removes the power of that temptation. And that's important for us to understand. And how does he do that? Simply by what? Quoting the word of God. Now, I want you to understand there's going to be two things that's going to pop out in this message. And I hope you, there's going to be a test afterwards at the end. Okay? Because I'm going to ask if I don't forget. I have a habit of forgetting things. My wife, you can tell them that's just one of the aspects of the stroke sometimes. But um, two things I want you to, that, that are so important. I'm going to ask, what were those two things? I'm going to see if you were able to glean those two things. I'm not going to come out and just tell you. But we see here that Jesus got rid of the power of that temptation by quoting the word of God. That's why Psalm 119.11 is so important, a verse that we memorized as kids. It says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. Now, does that mean just because we memorize scripture, we're not going to sin anymore? Absolutely not. But those scriptures that you memorize and have learned... And how do you know you've learned them? By becoming obedient to what they said. So see, memorizing scripture is okay. But making it a part of your life, learning it, making it obedient to where you are, your actions are different. Because of that scripture learned, that is how the power of temptation is removed by the word of God. Okay? And so that's important. And so this first temptation is the lust of the flesh. Now, there is nothing sinful about lust in itself. You can lust for God, but you can lust for wrong things as well. Okay? You find, if you, if you go back and read about what temptation is over in the book of James, the temptation itself is not the sin. It's our actions afterwards. That becomes sinful. And so that's what we need to understand here. And so Jesus' physical body was hungry. 
And so we have to understand there's nothing evil about being hungry or changing stones into bread like, like Satan had asked him to do. None, none, nothing sinful about that. Okay? We need to understand that. What was wrong is the one who was suggesting Jesus to turn the stones into bread. Satan was the one asking him to do that, not God. And that's the difference. That's the difference. God is not making the suggestion. And so what we as Christians have to learn to do, to do today is we must learn how to distinguish between what God is asking us to do and what Satan is trying to ask us to do. And sometimes the line there is very, very thin. But we have to be able to understand and distinguish that line. Okay? And that's very important. See, this is where Christians so often they fail to grow in Christ because we see nothing inherently wrong with what we are doing. We're doing good things. But are they God's good things? See, that's the, that's the difference. That's the difference. And I think that's why the church is, is powerless today. That's why my life is powerless so often. Because I'm doing my good things and not God's good things. I'm doing things in my power, my strength, and not in God's power and his strength. And so the question must be asked, in everything that we do, is it God who told us to do it? Are we using his provisions and following his plan and purpose or does it fall under the lust of the flesh a suggestion we are following from satan using his provisions you see lust of the flesh goes back to that instant gratification i want that i want to do that well this seems good Let, let's do this this man there's a need here we need to do that we need to help here and many times we need to do that. But we should first say, Lord, is this of you? Because Satan likes to use these things to distract us, to take us, off, take us off of what God was doing over here that we haven't noticed yet. And that's what, and folks, it's, it's complicated. It, it can be complicated if you're not walking in the Spirit of God on a daily basis. And so, that, this, this, is, this is why we got to be focused here. And, and again, it comes back to being, are we content with what, where God has placed us? It comes back to that contentment. And, and you're going to hear me say that phrase a lot, and that's not, and that's not the clue to the, one of the two answers, okay? Of being content. That's, 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 but this, this is important. And so we have to be careful about fleshly appetites that rule our mind. Okay? See, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus taught in Matthew 6, 31 and 32, he says, Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or wherewith shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. Now, Kathy, my wife, came and said, You know, you know this Sunday is Mother's Day. And I said, Yeah. Are you doing Mother's Day messages? I said, no. And it comes back to this, to this right here. 
and I don't mean to be snide or anything when I say this. I just, we got to do what God leads us to do. I think too many times the church does what the world thinks it should do. It's Mother's Day, so you got to preach on mothers. It's, it's Valentine's Day, you got to preach on love. It's, it's Father's Day, you got to... Where's that in God's word? Where's it at? Where's it at? And so, I'm just not a kind of politically correct kind of pastor, I guess. So, but, uh, so we have to understand, we got to do what God is leading us to do. We, got, we, we have to. And I, and I hope that you're honoring your mothers just not today, but every day of the year. You're loving your wives, you're loving your husbands every day of the year, not just on, on Mother's Day, on those days. And so when we're tempted... We have to learn to see the superiority of seeking out the spiritual things. Now, all these things, back in, in, in Matthew 6, 31, 32, all that phrase, all these things, we can either rely upon all these things and Satan will, will provide the need, or we can rely, rely upon God's provision in all these things. But that's the key here. That's the key. We need to learn to see the superiority of the spiritual things first. And so this is important to help us identify if we are experiencing a fleshly need or temptation or we're experiencing an invitation from God to do what he is leading us to do. And it's all about those things. What are those things? Okay. What are the provisions we need for those things? Now, the answer here is in Matthew 6, 33. This is why it's so important not to just take one, one passage of Scripture. You've got to get the context of it all. It says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. What things? What you eat, what you drink, how you're clothed, roof over your head, car you drive, job you have. If you first of all are dealing with the spiritual matters, the kingdom of his righteousness, seek first his kingdom, all these things God's going to provide with his provisions. That's the key, folks. We want God's provisions. And so we have to learn that all these things is a provision of God, not Satan. Satan wants to come in and counterfeit what God does. He wants to come in and say, well, look, this is Satan. Jesus, look, just turn this stone into bread. There's nothing wrong with that. And Jesus says, you're right, there's nothing wrong with that, but God didn't tell me to do it, so I'm not going to do it. You told me to do it. That's the difference. We do, we do things in our own power and own strength instead of, instead of in God's. Christ is the one who supplies those things for which we need. And that's why it comes back to, are we content with what God has provided, where God has placed us? Are we content there? And we need to be. Paul was content whether he was living life well in a rich man's house while he's preaching in Jerusalem, or he was after being beaten and thrown into prison, he was able to sing praises to God. Why? Because he was content with God's provisions. Are we content today with God's provisions? 
They can be very good or very meager. Are we content? See, where do we turn when we need to, to, to we need, we're in need of comfort or if there's a crisis or we're, we're just had a rough day? Where do we turn? What's the first thing we do when that happens? See, we, we, we must learn. Now, here's the thing. We have to learn to seek the Holy Spirit's provisions. Seek, seek after God's provisions. That's the most important lesson in a Christian's life. That's why the, the Spirit has compelled Jesus to go to the mountain. He is our example. And he's saying, they need to learn. That's what we need to do. We need to learn to go to the mountain, go to the wilderness, so that we can focus on the spiritual things. What is, what is one thing that uh, fasting does? We talked about last week. It weakens the body, right? So that you can begin to see the things of God, the spiritual things. That's what's important to do. Jesus is our example. So we have to do that. See, we have to learn to be content in God's provisions no matter how, no matter where we are. We are in a battle every day between the flesh and the spirit, and too often we forget that we're in that battle. Romans 7, 15 to 18 talks about that. That's one of those passages that you read through and go, uh huh, I gotta read through it five or six times, you know. Paul was saying, For that which I do, I, all, I allow not, that, and for what I would, uh, that I do I not, and, and what I hate, that I do. So, you know, just make it short. You do. The things that you just, I didn't want to do it, but I did it anyway. I knew it was wrong, but I went and did it. Okay? And then you, you got to turn, Lord, why did I do that again? That's what Paul is talking about here. That's the battle of the flesh. And in it, the, the Bible says in that passage, it, it proves that the law of God is good. Because it's convicting us of sin. It's good. And that we know that within our bodies, there is no good thing that dwells there. That's what the passage clearly teaches as well. Denying the flesh is what wins the spiritual victories in our lives. Denying the flesh is, is where we say, Lord, I am content where you will have me. I'm content there. See, if the flesh is ruling in our lives, then the world is winning. And too often we bring, we bring in too many worldly things into the church and the world is winning within the church because we're not relying upon the Spirit of God to lead and direct the church. And that's a problem. See, if the flesh is ruling in your life, then that means God is not. Romans 8, 5, and 6 says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. We need to mind the things of the Spirit, not the things of the flesh. And then they that are after the things of the Spirit, of the Spirit of God. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And so what preoccupies your mind? Throughout most of your day, are they the things of the Spirit of God or the things of the flesh? 
And so what we have to do is we must allow the Holy Spirit of God to test our minds according to God's word. Do we do that? Do we allow allow him to do that daily with us? Because this is going to reveal why we're sowing whatever it is we're sowing. And folks, we are sowing fruit. question is, what kind is it? In Galatians 6, 8, it says, For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And so we need to take an honest look at our lives. And because if, if, if our life is producing sinful actions, where anger and bitterness and division and strife and it tends to be wherever we go, we can't say, Well, it's just these areas. No, it's us. It's us. And it means we're we're, we're operating in the flesh. And so we need to take that look. See, prayer and fasting helps us to identify those things before they cause ruin in our lives. We can see them. And so the Bible clearly teaches that there is a part of every Christian's life that cannot be subject to the law of God. And you know what that is? Our flesh. Our flesh is not subject to the law of God. That's why I wait for that day when Jesus comes and I I get out of this fleshly body. And all the lusts that are in it. Romans 8, 7 says, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. See, this body wants to go and and is not content with anything. This body, this lust of the flesh, wants more and more and more. It'll never be content. That's why Paul said, I beat my body daily, not physically, but he would put down those lusts of the flesh. He put them down. He was content in God's provisions. But too often, you know what? We're not honest with ourselves, with how powerful the flesh is in our lives. And we fail to live in the spirit of God and to please God. And again, it's because we're not being honest with ourselves. Romans 8.8 says, So then they that are in the flesh, they cannot please God. That means, you know what that means? That means that good work you're doing over here in your own power doesn't please God. It's a good thing, but it's your good thing. God didn't lead you there. It's your good thing. It's not following God's provisions. It's not spiritual provisions there. It's my provisions, Satan's provisions, whatever. It's the flesh provisions. Think about this. I mentioned earlier if you had, you know, sometimes you just got to get away, right? Sometimes you had a bad day at work. You know, you, you just need to get away. Listen to some music, watch some TV, whatever, you know. Why? 
Why do we turn to those things? We should turn to God's things. It's like, see, doing that is like throwing gas on the fire, trying to put it out. It's not going to work. And then you go back to work, nothing's changed. But if you turn to God and his, his good things, his word, his righteousness, his Holy Spirit, and get what their plan was and is, you go back to work, things begin to, are different. Because why? He's changed us. He's changed our heart where we see our coworkers differently. See, in those times, we should be running and turning to the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Spend time in prayer and fasting, if necessary, for comfort and answers, not the flesh. It's only then that things will change. Only then. Here's a challenge for you. Now, just think of your free time. Just, I'm just, just free time, not when you're at work, not when you're sleeping, not when you come to church and your free time. Everyone probably has two or three hours a day. You know, you sit down and you watch, watch a movie for two hours. And folks, there's nothing wrong sitting down watching a movie for two hours. No sitting down, nothing, nothing wrong sitting down and opening a book and just reading and just relaxing. Nothing, not, nothing wrong with that stuff, okay? Only thing I say is, if you spent two hours doing that, are you spending two hours in the Word of God and in prayer? I'll be honest with, with you, I don't. And it breaks my heart those times I don't do it. Because that's my free time. We should have a desire for God's righteousness. And what it reveals to me is I'm not content with God's provisions. I'm more content with these worldly things. And that's where we fall short. So let's look at verse 4 here of our text. Let's look at Jesus' response. But he answered and said, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, if you're going to use... God's word, it's the sword of the spirit, and you're going to use it in battle. That's the only, battle, that's the only, weapon, only offensive weapon you have. You've got to use it right. Okay? You have to use it correctly. And let me get some, some good English here for you. Uh, that's rare. But um, you, gotta, you have to use it the right way. Jesus here, this what he is saying is going back to Deuteronomy 8, verses 2 and 3. And I'm going to focus on verse 3. Because it basically says the same thing he said in Matthew 4.4. 4. But it says here that God here had humbled the nation of Israel. So he says, and he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. What? Did God make Israel hungry? Was that on purpose? Yes. Did God allow us to go through hardships and, and, and turmoils and problems on purpose? Yes. Because he's God. He's righteous. He's holy. We are not. 
Did God make his son come down and die on a cross for your sins and my sins and leave heaven? Yes. Who do we think we are when hardships come that that we should be better than those things? God who didn't spare his own son. If we're going to use the word of God to have victory in our lives, we have to use it correctly. And Jesus is teaching us how to use it correctly. So that when that temptation comes, we can eliminate the power of that temptation because we're using the word of God correctly. See, Jesus' response here reveals that he was content with God's provision. What? The Holy Spirit led him up to the wilderness, led him up to to fast 40 days and 40 nights. And Jesus said, okay, I'm hungry, but God, you led me here. What are you going to do next? He was content. Satan comes on and says, do this. No, I'm not going to do that. Here's the, here's the scripture that shows why I'm not going to do that. See, I think it's real interesting that Jesus refers back to the time when Israel was at the... And many commentaries believe that where Jesus was being tempted is the same place Israel was in the wilderness when God fed them manna from heaven. See, Jesus is not just didn't pull some scripture out of, out, 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 out of his word someplace and say, let's just use this one. No, it's very specific, strategic in what Jesus is doing here. See, he used this scripture to counter Satan's temptation because scripture used in spiritual warfare needs to be specific to the temptation. And here, manna was God's instructions to Israel that they should rely upon God's word and not their physical fleshly desires. And so what that means is if you have a situation in your life, anger, strife, malice, um, um, sexual addictions, whatever they may be that you struggle with, you need to get in the word of God about that topic and learn what the Bible says about it. Memorize those scriptures about it because that's how Satan's going to attack you. And then you quote those scriptures that you've learned, that you've become obedient to. And that diffuses the power of the temptation. Just like when you sin, you just can't, Lord, forgive me for the sins I committed today. That's garbage. You sinned one at a time, you have to confess that sin one at a time. And for many Christians, it's been so long since they've gone through and confessed their sins that their laundry list is this big. But you know what? If God knows your heart and that you want to get all that right, he knows you won't remember it all. But as he begins to bring it to your memory, you just, oh, God, forgive me for that. And he'll do it. He'll start, he'll start to cleanse you. He'll start to cleanse you. You see, we need to take... He was teaching the Israelites, you got to take my word every day, every day. That's what manna was for, to teach them that they need God's word every day in their lives. 
You see, we eat our physical food every day, three times a day, four, a couple snacks, right? Why? Because we're hungry. We desire it. Do we have that much desire to know God? Do we have that much desire to know God? Unfortunately, probably many of us don't. There are many days I don't show that. And that's why we struggle so much with sin in our lives. See, Job understood this in Job 23, verse 12. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of thy lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Job understood. Yet how much of, 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 of God's word did Job have? Probably none of it. It was just the traditional stories that were passed down until Moses' day. We believe Job was probably a contemporary somewhere back when, of Abraham. Peter said in 1 Peter 2, 2 and 3, As newborn babes desire the sincere miracle of the word, that ye may grow thereby. If so be, ye have tasted of the Lord, his, his, that he is gracious. Do we truly have that desire for the word of God? Jesus speaking to the disciples about the woman at the well in John 4, 32 and 34. He says, but he said to them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore, said the disciples one to another, hath any man brought him out to eat? And Jesus said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. See, his disciples again and again and again missed Jesus' point that he was teaching. See, they were always looking at the physical. They hadn't learned to become content in God's provisions. In fact, they wouldn't learn that until after Pentecost. They would finally learn all that Jesus was teaching them. And they still sinned afterwards. They still made mistakes. It's so important. And so we need to get back to hungering and thirsting after his righteousness, after his ways, and stop looking for the easy way out by following the lust of the flesh. That's the easy way out. It is. And we need to stop it. And it's because we're not content. That's the real reason. We're not content with God's provisions. We're not content. We need to understand, Jesus never did anything on his own. He himself says, I can't do anything unless I see the Father doing it. And then I join him in that work. That is so important. We have to learn that truth. But what do we do? Well, I can do this, I can do that. And they're good things, so I'm going to do those things. But God's not in it. He's not in it. Because he is expecting us to follow him, not him follow us. And we'll get to that and one of the other temptations let down the road. You know what? Satan has laid so many traps. And I, this, this might offend some folks. And he's laid very many traps to hinder our spiritual growth. And many of these things look good. To us. In fact, they are good things. Devotionals. I may offend some folks. Devotionals. 
commentaries, Christian books from good Christian authors. These are all good things, but they also become traps. And I hope you understand what I'm saying. They become traps. Good Christian music, they can become traps. See, these things, reading about the Bible can never replace reading and studying the Bible on your own. But what do we do? That's what we do many times, isn't it? Let me ask you this, and I'm, I'm, getting, I'm wrapping this up. When, you, when you're hungry, do you go read about people eating? Do you watch a baking show knowing that's going to fill your stomach up? You're not going to be hungry anymore after you're watching that show? Do you read a commentary about some of the best recipes that are out there? No, you go in the refrigerator, pull out something to eat, and you eat. We got to do the same thing with the Word of God. We got to eat it three or four times a day. Our free time is so important that we spend the majority of it in God's Word, listening to the direction of the Holy Spirit. See, when you feed the flesh, it's going to occupy that area in your lives that belongs to God. See, that hunger is there for a purpose. See, the things of God are the only things that can satisfy that, 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 imp, that hunger that's there. Not the things of the world. And so we have to learn to recognize the source of the offer. Is this of God? I don't know. See, be honest, I don't know. Does God want me to help out in this ministry at the church? I don't know. You got to ask yourself that. You got to go pray about it. Make sure this is God leading you there and not someone else. Because you know what happens in churches so often? Someone steps in because a job needs to be done. You know what my view is? Let it fall down. Let it fall down. Because I would rather have God's person in that position doing it than somebody else who steps up to do it who's not being led by God. And then when God's person comes, that, the job's not there no more. And that's the problem in churches today. We think things need to get done, and God says, no, it doesn't wait for me. Be patient. Because if it's of God, it will continue. If it's of man, it will not. It will stop. Learn to recognize the source of the offer in front of you and turn to God's provision. See, God's word must be more important than any other influence in our lives. And until that happens, we will continue to feed the lust of the flesh and not the spirit. We will continue to not be content in God's provisions. And we'll never learn to distinguish between God's offer and what he's offering us and what Satan is trying to lead us into. See, God has provided us his word and his Holy Spirit. Those are the provisions of God that overcome the lust of the flesh. 
and we must learn to be content in them because they'll lead to our obedience to God. So what are the two things that we as Christians need to overcome the lust of the flesh? What's the first one? Word of God. The Word of God. And what's the second one? A Holy Spirit of God that He gave us. See, those are the provisions of God. He gave us His Word. He gave us His Holy Spirit to dwell in us. Those are His provisions. So we got to be in those things. Because that's what leads to our obedience. Nothing else will. Let's stand and pray. Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, check out our website at gbcak.org.